0: You are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going A's fans and welcome to episode 165 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Noted Baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's show, it is the final day of bullpen week. So I'm going to be going over a couple of relievers that could be low cost, decent upside, and late in the offseason options to consider. That's a mouthful. Uh, lots of qualifications on that one. And then I'm also going to be talking about some of the news that came over the the, the news waves, I guess. Uh, is that how news is delivered these days? I don't know. Uh, some of the news from Major League Baseball that came out on Friday afternoon. So uh, that's what's coming up for you guys today on this episode. But before I get into anything, please follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So the first guy I want to talk about today is somebody that I'm pretty sure that we're all fairly familiar with given his time with the Giants, and that is 13-year veteran Sergio Romo. He's gonna be 38 when the season begins, and while his 2020 season ended with him boasting an ERA of 405, he has a career mark of 295, which just shows the consistency that he's had over a pretty lengthy career. Just to give you guys an idea of the kind of pitcher that he's been over the last five seasons, his walk rate has been 2.8 walks per nine over that span, which is is pretty solid and he's been striking out 9.6 per nine over that same span all of this adds up to an era plus of 113 which is 13 percent above league average and he's also had a whip of 1.16 over that span maybe that's a little bit high but you know his walk rate not that hard not that high his hit rate hit rate per nine not that high so is he the guy that you want to build your bullpen around not at all but is he a nice low cost option Probably, yes. And I'll get into what he's probably going to cost a little bit later here. But uh, the results that he got on his four pitches in 2020 were pretty similar to the ones that he produced in 2019 when his ERA was a half a run lower. So I still think that there's plenty of reason to believe that Romo could still be an above-average reliever in 2021, and given his age, his contract will neither be long or expensive, and that's kind of what I think that the A's could be going for in this offseason, given everything that's going on with COVID and economic uncertainty and all that stuff. Um, I'm saying economic uncertainty in air quotes in my head because the owners have the money to make any of these deals happen for whatever prices they cost, but, uh, you know, the A's don't like to spend money anyway. And so you just add in COVID and all of a sudden uh, they're probably not going to be spending a ton. So a guy like Sergio Romo could be right up their alley and part of that's because his deal with the Twins in 2020 was for $4.7 million, and given the, that he had a 4 ERA last season and the economic uncertainty again, uh, that is going to be just around the game and dominating all the headlines, my guess is that the offers he'll be receiving will be closer to the 2 to $3 million million dollar range for this offseason, and he's probably only going to be getting one-year deals, because he's been signing one-year deals for the past 3-4 uh, offseasons, I believe, so uh, he's probably open to another one-year deal at a fairly low salary for a reliever of, you know, especially of his caliber, who's kind of decent, actually. Uh, And outside of last offseason, when he was coming off a year in which he had a 343 ERA and signed with the Twins in late December, he signed year-to-year deals on February 15th, 13th and 15th so I'm kind of expecting him to be around well into the offseason and maybe even at the start of uh, spring training given how long everything's going to take this offseason so I think that if you're the A's you make contact with him a little bit early to gauge his interest in joining your club and then you see what other options you can add to the bullpen and if it comes to it see if you can add Sergio Romo for next year that's how I feel like you got to go after Sergio Romo this winter Um, obviously, as I said before, you don't want to build your bullpen around him, but is he a nice piece to have? Sure. I mean, he's not going to be on a minor league deal by any means, because he has the 13 year career of, uh, you know, stats to back him up on why you should pay him a couple of million dollars to pitch in your bullpen. So I think that he's a a decent option. I wouldn't mind having him, but he's not necessarily going to get me excited if they sign him. So I think that there are other avenues to explore before you really... Put pen to paper and ink Sergio Romo for 2021. Uh, The other guy that I want to talk about is Chris Davinsky, formerly of the Houston Astros. And as I mentioned last week, he's had a rough go of it the last couple of years. But in his first two seasons with the Astros, he was the equivalent of peak Yusmero Petit for the A's. And some of what I've been doing this week is trying to rebuild how the bullpen looks, but also trying to fill in certain roles. I've had a couple of uh, Joaquim Soria uh, guys that could fill in for him. Uh, I've had a couple of guys that could fill in for Petit, and just some other guys that throw hard and have nasty stuff. So uh, that's kind of what I've been focusing on this week. Uh, Make sure to go back and listen to all the bullpen episodes, because uh, I feel like I've built a decent bullpen for very little money. So if the A's want to go after some of these guys, uh, feel free and give me credit when you do. Uh, That would be very much appreciated. And before I get too far into Chris Davinsky, because we're trying to fill in for Petit in this one, uh, and not necessarily right out of the gate, but you know, a guy with high upside, and that's what I'm going to get into here. But are there other guys that the A's could use to fill this role that are already on their roster? I mean, sure, if they want to, you could use one of the A's minor league pitchers like uh, Grant Holmes or uh, Caprillian or somebody like that, and have them be the basically the the long reliever if you want to uh, have him come in for three four innings at a time and do that you know the old school way but I think that if you want somebody who's more in the petite role that can go one inning get you out of trouble or a couple innings maybe three if you really need them to then uh Chris Stavinsky could be that guy and so that's why I'm bringing him up right here. And as I said just a minute ago, Chris Davinsky has not been great the last couple of seasons, but he does offer a little bit of hope for me, and that's because he got some bone chips removed, and so if he's feeling healthy, he could be feeling the best he has in who knows how long. And I'm not going to say that going after Davinsky should be the offseason's main priority or anything like that, but he's definitely a low-risk high upside signing waiting to happen and his services will likely come on a minor league deal this winter that's no money whatsoever why not take a chance on him and those bone spurs being gone and maybe that's what propels him to recapturing some of the form that he had in 2016 and 2017 I'm willing to take that shot if I'm John Fisher and the A's for an office for sure. Because at worst, he toils in the minors, and then you let him go after the end of the year or in the middle of the year. It doesn't matter. You could even do one of those minor league deals where if he doesn't make the team out of spring training or something like that, then he can hit free agency. That's also fine. But you kind of want to have him for that initial spring training when he's feeling his best. Um, And that's my feeling, at least. Um, Because my bet is that either... The Dodgers, the A's, or the Rays are going to sign him this winter to a minor league contract. And if he's anything close to the guy that gave his team a 3 ERA over 80 to 100 innings, he's going to be a steal for one of these teams. And obviously, coming off of injury, the innings may not be there, but 60 to 65 solid innings is also a great deal for a minor league signing. So... I'm kind of high on getting Chris Davinsky. Obviously, he's not the first move that I would make. The first move that I would make is probably uh, one of the trades that I talked about earlier this week. And then maybe a free agent signing of, you know, a Brad Hand if you can get him, but probably not because the A's are cheap. Uh, and so he would, uh, Chris Davinsky would be a nice low-cost target. that could have some decent upside, and uh, that's why I'd want to go after him. But uh, coming up on the show, I'm going to talk about Major League Baseball's punishment structure, I guess, if you want to call it that, and also some more positive COVID tests. So stay locked in with Locked On A's. I'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever. That's right. We're talking about Built Bar again. And the new improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also have their original 12 flavors right now. Raspberry, again, speaking out to me, I do love some raspberry in my chocolate. And uh, all of their bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are protein bars that taste like candy bars, and every single Built Bar is built for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, and their bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. So to get your hands on some of these delicious treats, all you have to do is go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code On. That is one word, Locked On. You'll get 20% off your next order, and you'll also get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like hearing podcasts. And also, please tell a friend about the show because we have all of your A's coverage every single day. And if I could ask one more favor of you guys, please follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at B on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So getting into the Major League Baseball part of this uh, program here, the league decided not to give Justin Turner any punishment for being on the field after the Dodgers won the World Series after he had just tested positive for COVID. Uh, Whether you're pro or against that That's debatable. Um, He'd already been around his teammates, so I kind of get it. But with how hard Major League Baseball went after Turner saying that he was a man possessed and he was going to literally commit murder to get onto the field. They didn't say that. That's a joke just for legal reasons, I guess. Uh, He did not say that he was going to commit murder, but the statement made it seem like he would have. Uh, It is surprising that they ended up going with zero punishment for Justin Turner on this one. Uh, I saw on Twitter that uh, Craig Calcantara had a little bit of a theory going and that it could have something to do the zero punishment could have something to do with Major League Baseball's own negligence that was at play between the initial inconclusive second inning test and then the positive test that resulted in his removal from the eighth inning. Uh, Something happened in between that time, and whether or not they should have been playing is something that Major League Baseball probably doesn't want us talking about. So maybe that is why they were not punishing Turner, to make sure that that information does not see the light of day, because the Dodgers probably have some... uh, some intel on that situation as well that they do not want to come out. And uh, punishment or not on Justin Turner, I'm having a hard time figuring out what constitutes a harsh penalty for Commissioner Manfred. Uh, this is an honest question. If you have an idea, let me know at ByJasonB on Twitter because he's all over the place, but usually he comes down very soft for anything and it's baffling to me uh putting the safety of the players and their families at risk at, in the middle of a pandemic results in zero punishment whether or not that's okay uh I, I have a problem with him putting you know the Rays players at risk because they didn't need to be part of this but he was already around his teammates and they're around their families so i get that aspect of it but i, I feel bad for the Rays if they had any exposure in this whole situation and all that stuff so i, I can see zero punishment but i feel like there's something else at play as well uh also among the non-punishable offenses. Cheating to win a World Series is a slap on the wrist for a couple of managers, and both A.J. Hinch, who is now with the Tigers, and Alex Cora, who just signed back with the Red Sox, have retaken their old jobs of managing baseball teams, and it took them just a week and a half in total between the two of them uh, since the end of the World Series to get their jobs back, and that just seems a little bit ridiculous. Also, the Astros were not punished at all. The players, at least. You can say that they got draft picks taken away, but uh, yeah, so it seems like Cheating to Winner World Series, very light punishment. Uh, Domestic violence suspensions vary from Heraldus Chapman's 30 games, which is roughly 10 to 15 games for a reliever, to Roboto Osuna's 75 games. And, uh, I mean, one of those was more serious, but Heraldus Chapman used a gun. So that's weird that he got a month. Basically, how how domestic violence is not a one-year suspension no matter what is just ridiculous. It should be a lifetime ban because, you know, we're a civil society and all that stuff, and domestic violence is terrible, so that should be the basis. But these guys are getting uh, a month to three months. That just seems way too light for something that's so serious in the actual real world. So keep those three punishments in mind, because now I'm going to talk about the punishments for a first-time PED user, and they get 80 games they get 80 games for whether or not it was intentional or not. But, you know, trying to get more money for themselves, that's 80 games. And uh, it just seems really weird because baseball's justice system is skewed, and it's skewed in the way that makes them more money. They know that they can't have another steroid scandal, which is why the positive tests have been punished so harshly. But a player that abuses his wife can take a couple of weeks off and be back on the mound. An entire team can cheat to win a World Series, and they don't miss any time because punishing them would be a bad PR move for baseball. And it feels like not punishing Turner, whether he deserved it or not, after Major League Baseball's initial statement is more. A safe face of their own misdeeds than anything else they came hard for him in their statement and then nothing came from it something changed and i just wanted to lay that out there some food for thought for you guys because it just seems weird uh and sticking with you know the dodgers and covid and all that stuff bob nightingale i know i make fun of him a lot but he is the source for this story so i'm gonna give him credit on this one good job bob Uh, Hey, that rhymed. That was nice. Um, Anyways, uh, he is reporting that five members of the Dodgers organization and a family member have tested positive for coronavirus. Who tested positive is unclear, and whether or not Turner is in those results is also unclear. Uh, Nightingale also says that, quote, most of the people that have tested positive were outside of the bubble, end quote. Uh, That leads me to think that most of, which means three in this case, at at least three uh, of the five people that have tested positive are not part of the traveling party. Maybe two of them are. Um, And if that is the case, which I am led to believe that it is, then how did three people that weren't in Texas get COVID? Either one of them got it while being out and about and brought it to the office... Or, Justin Turner and the Dodgers, who were supposed to be in quarantine until further notice in Texas after the World Series, but instead flew back to Los Angeles, brought it back with them, and spread it to whoever has it now. In either situation, this was avoidable, you guys. It's just more negligence in Major League Baseball, and it's getting kind of tiresome. I really wish they had a, a real commissioner who would actually do things about stuff that came out like this. Uh, Bob Nightingale said in the in the article that, uh, it was a very short article, go to USA Today, type in Bob Nightingale, it's in there. Um, but he said that Major League Baseball didn't know about these other tests I'm like these guys are the worst how do they not know about this stuff they're not keeping tabs on anything they're like I guess we're going to kick up our feet for the next few months because we're on vacation time uh meanwhile you know people are going to be trying to get jobs and stuff like that because free agency is going to be a shit show so yeah it's going to be a fun season, you guys so stay locked in with locked on A's all all season. but if there are any updates on this story over the weekend i'll pass them along uh when next week gets going but uh that is it for me today you guys so until next time stay indoors celebrate good times oakland keep wearing those masks and i'll talk to you guys on monday